You are Locked On Women's Basketball, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to Locked On Women's Basketball. I'm your host, Howard Megdahl, reminding you you can follow us on Twitter at Locked On WBB. You can like us on Facebook, Locked On Women's Basketball, and be sure to like and review us and subscribe via iTunes or your podcast listen of choice. Um, have a player who you may be familiar with. Uh, she's had a moderate amount of success in 2016, if you consider uh, a fourth NCAA title, followed by number one overall pick, a gold medal, and a playoff appearance with the Seattle Storm to be a moderate amount of accomplishments. Uh, Brianna Stewart, thank you so much for taking the time to chat. Yeah, thanks for having me. The place I'd love to start is uh, the conversation everyone is having uh, over... Uh, an awards decision, an awards snub. Uh, of course, what I'm referring to very specifically is uh, Seattle Sportswoman of the Year, which uh, managed to go to uh, Kelsey Plum, who we love and think the world of, uh, I- instead of you. Um, to my mind, that makes your 2016 Beyonce's Lemonade. Do you agree with that comparison? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I agree with that comparison. <laughs> yeah, no, I think I think it's an appropriate and justified one, but uh, specifically to 2016, I'm wondering now that you've had a little time to think about everything that's happened. Are there aspects of 2016 that jump out at you first? I mean, I mean, it's it's very rare that, quite frankly, people have that much uh, accomplishment in a lifetime, but you managed to pack it into 12 months. What what jumps out at you first when you think back? Well, when I first think back, I definitely think that, you know, it was a, a crazy year. And like you said, you know, I can't believe that, you know, I was able to do and accomplish so many things in in just a year span. Um, you know, the the things that really stick out are winning a fourth national championship, uh, getting drafted to Seattle, playing on the Olympic team, and then going overseas to China. You know, I think that uh, those are those were huge milestones uh, in my career as I finished my collegiate career and went to, you know, playing professionally. And it was a great time. You know, I had a great year and it was probably, you know, one of the best years of my life. I mean, just a remarkable thing, again, and, and this is the thing that I talk about, that these expectations for you are so high, sometimes, you know, with you setting them yourself, and it's always something that you manage to live up to. I, I, I'm curious, though, what China was like, and it was interesting. I, I love the video you guys put out uh, via Cycle, and everyone listening should be sure to take a look. Uh, it really sort of captured the great unknown of going overseas, of going to China for you. Like you say in the video, it's something that the best of the best players uh, tend to do in order to get better. But take me through that. Your your first few days, you're trying to get a visa problem set up, but what is it like for <laughs> you just day to day? Well, what's your life like when you get there? Well, I think when I, you know, when I first got there, obviously... I flew from I flew flew from JFK and it was like a sixteen hour flight and I got to I got to Shanghai and it was kind of just you know a lot was going on and um, you could say it was it was a little overwhelming just because like the language barrier and everything like that just all really hit you at once um, and then it was just like <clears throat> it was kind of like okay 
you know, she's here, let's get her settled in, blah, 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 she has to meet the team, the coaches, and then, you know, we have to take care of her visa, because I had a tourist visa, right? but I didn't have a working visa, and to play, you need a working visa. Right, right. And, so and it, it was a little confusing. And, and And so, once you even get that resolved, when you're not practicing, you know, what are you doing with your day? What What is... What is the day like, and how how did you go about immersing yourself in the culture? Um, well, it, it depends. You know, if I had practiced that day, then I'd probably just, you know, relax, uh, try and work out in the gym of the hotel mm-hmm. um, before practice. Just because uh, my ch- my ch- my team in China usually teams they have they practice twice a day, and. I practice in the afternoon with the team, but in the morning I'll try and like lift weights and do some some cardio and that type of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, when I when we don't have practice and things like that, you know, that's my my time to go and explore Shanghai and you know see what the city is really about. And thankfully, you know, I met some some friends while I was there who were around my age that um, I was able to hang out with when I didn't have family or friends here. Uh, visiting with me. And it's interesting. Do you think things like FaceTime and uh, being able to stay in touch with people uh, in that way makes it easier to transition to this than, let's say, the previous generation of WNBA players who move into almost immediately from being at college to jumping into an overseas career for significant months out of the year? Definitely. You know, I think that, you know, with today's technology, uh, it makes things a lot easier. You know, you can you seem like you can always, you know, be able to send an iMessage or send a message to somebody or, like you said, FaceTime um, and somehow get, get in contact with them. And uh, the generation before me, <clears throat> or like, you know, I was talking to, to Sue Bird about this, was, you know, she didn't have that luxury when she started uh, playing overseas. You know, there wasn't a FaceTime, and it made things a lot more more difficult because you're going a long period of time without talking to your family or friends. In terms of the game itself, I had a conversation with Tina Charles about this a couple years ago, and she talked about the fact that there were things she wanted to work on to improve what she's able to do with the Liberty, but of course when she's playing overseas and she's playing in China that year, there's... uh, ways she needs to adapt her game to the team that she's playing with overseas. What was that balance like for you? And do you think there was something most significant basketball-wise that you took out of the work you did overseas uh, that you're going to be bringing uh, to Seattle this year? Um, well, I think <clears throat> for me and my team this year uh, played really similar to how we played in Seattle. Hmm. You know, fast-paced, that type of thing. And I didn't think that, you know, how I was playing, I had to really adjust that. You know, I want to play inside and outside, bring the ball up to court if I want to, and that type of thing. <clears throat> um, and my, my team my team was all for it, which was great. And it just, you know, that, that made our chemistry even better, and, and we kind of just gelled together um, the more we played on the court together. And it, it made a lot of fun. And and just in terms of Seattle, I, the thing that I've always talked about in terms of building around you is your skills being broad-based, that there's 
essentially nothing you can't do on the court is arguably a blessing and a curse because the curse if you're a team trying to figure it out is how you properly build around you and make sure you're maximized uh, because you can do everything it's easy to lose sight of that so I found it notable that Carolyn Swords was brought on board someone who's a rim protector which is something you're obviously able to do but also someone who crashes the boards had uh, a terrific right. rebounding percentage as well do you think that that serves your developing game best it allows you to be let's say, more of a wing player more of the time and uh, take some of the wear and tear off of what you'd be doing banging with fives during the course of the year? Uh, yeah, I think that, you know, the addition of Carolyn Swords to, to the Storm is uh, huge for our entire team, and it, it definitely helps me a lot, uh, especially last year. You know, I ended up having to guard a lot of the fives yeah. and, you know, match up with them that way and, and do a lot of banging and, and the dirty work, basically. Uh, but with her, you know, being able to, to come to Seattle and help with, you know, that that part of it, the rebounding and, and all that other stuff, um, like you said, it's going to give me more more freedom to, to play the, the stretch for the wing and, and the position that, you know, I really want to play. And on the defensive end, something that's always been notable about your game is your ability to step into passing lanes. Do you feel like that frees you up to play more of that free safety role? I mean, as it was, you were a top five defensive player in the lead by every advanced metric there is. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's just really going to be exciting, you know, to have uh, that luxury to kind of be all over the place on, on defense. You know, if we have to... Um, I don't know, be be more flexible and have a bigger lineup in or a smaller lineup. Uh, it's up to, you know, what Jenny wants, but, you know, I think it can work to our advantage uh, either way, you know, we have it. Right, so it's going to be fascinating to watch for sure. And now we should talk about your former team uh, who uh, they seem to have managed to continue to play uh, quite well <laughs> despite – despite uh, yeah. your graduation and so you were there getting to see win number 100 on Monday night against South Carolina as you're watching that and you're sitting there with you know the other biggest names in UConn history but in a way that Maya can't put a claim on it Sue can't put a claim on it a lot of this belongs to you and a lot of the 100 belongs to you and Gino talked about that after the game were you thinking about that during the course of the game? Were you thinking about your role in something that had never been done before, which obviously is something that happens to you fairly often, but this might be as big as it gets? Uh, I, I was and I wasn't thinking about it. I think that, you know, first of all, I was I was so happy that I was able to be at that game. You know, if I was in the country, then I was going to be at that game. Mm-hmm. Um and just to be able to watch the team and, and see how much they've grown and that type of thing. And and I think, you know, what you said, you have a point to it. Uh, obviously, being able to, to be there for the start of this streak and up until uh, 75 games of this streak, um, you know, growing with these players and, and you know, helping uh, everyone get to this point. But at the same time, once once I hit 75, you know, I wasn't there anymore. They did that, and they proved the rest of the country wrong that, you know, they're not going to be, just because there was changes from the team last year to this year, they're not having a letdown. <clears throat> Do you think that 
for the players who return. And there's there's a lot of talent on this team, and and you're absolutely right. They were underestimated. Although, quite frankly, even even Gino talked about being surprised that there were no out of conference losses during uh, November and December. How much of this do you think is muscle memory? And these are just players who got so used to winning, got so used to seeing you and your teammates make the right play that it was as natural as can be? And how much of this is just a reflection of, oh, wow, that team last year was so talented that even the group of players who were backups were are good enough to go through a regular season undefeated? <clears throat> well, I think <clears throat> it's, um, you know, obviously the the group is very talented. Um, but I think it's, you know, they, when the three of us left last year, there was roles that needed to be um, filled, and they did a great job, you know, not one person trying to fill each role, but, but a combination of it. And the, the muscle memory and, and being there for two, three, you know, uh, even even the freshmen last year, having that one year of experience, they they understand what's going on. They understand, you know, how to do things. And, you know, that's what, you know, from speaking from myself, Morgan, and Mariah, we wanted to do is make sure that we showed them how to do things because when our time was up, it's it's their job to continue the success and, and the program and the standards that we have. Well, I, I think it's fair to say it, it worked out pretty well. Uh, in terms of <laughs> yes, in, ter- in terms of the response, wh- what's been really notable to me is that slowly but surely the critics and the naysayers have been fading away, and there's been uh, a greater respect, it seems to me, and a greater understanding for just what has been built at UConn. Uh, there are a handful of these outlier people who, uh, to my mind, are trying to piggyback on the success of UConn through basic chauvinism, basic sexism. And I wonder, as someone who lived it, as someone who was in the middle of it, because I have these conversations all the time with colleagues, is it something that when members of the media are critical, are attempting to diminish, that should be answered by people like us in the media? Or is it something where we just should not give them the satisfaction of getting them involved in the conversation. What what is that? Uh, what is your preference as someone who lived it? I think um, you know, especially with with today's world. You know, obviously we have a lot of social media, so you're going to see this stuff. I mean, I see stuff on on Twitter yesterday talking about you know how the the streak isn't what it really is, and right. blah blah blah, and all that stuff. And I think you know, I think that's. It's it's full of crap, really. Yeah. Um, you know, I think people just wanna wanna have a wanna be able wanna share their opinion, and I think that you know, yeah, we wanna like say something back to them, but that's just giving them the satisfaction, <clears throat> and mm-hmm. I think they don't deserve it. You know, they're they're trying to create something uh, out of nothing. You know, whoever says that winning a hundred games in a row. Um, isn't as, isn't isn't all that it seems? Then you're crazy. I mean, how is it not? You know, we've played as many top teams as we can uh, outside of our conference play. I I, I, I mean, heard I, one. I, I I heard criticism 
of your game back in the day based around the idea that you guys were so dominant that it wasn't close down the stretch, which was the craziest thing I could possibly imagine because all it means is that mm-hmm. you were putting people away in the first quarter, in the second quarter, you, you know. And a similar idea that when you guys are going up against the very best, like you said, and you're winning by double digits, that's a sign of dominance. It's not something that takes away from it. Right. Yeah. Right. I mean, and it's it's kind of like, how how is that our problem? It's not our problem. Right. You know, we're, we're trying to, to set the mark and to set the standard for not even women's basketball, basketball in general. And and getting better every single every single day every single year and holding the standard so high for teams that you know they're trying to reach it and until they can get to that point you know it's not a problem and, we're and, just getting better we're and and, and you I'm sorry yeah. I, it, and when you look across the sports world <laughs> and you see that the NBA Finals come down to a final shot. Major League Baseball's World Series comes down to the final game. The WNBA Finals came down to a final shot. It stands out all the more that you guys not only go out and win game after game, but your final game was an 82-51 win in the national championship game. So to not only win, but to dominate is something that no one else has been able to do across the sports world. Yeah, and I think that you know, as a player, when you're when you're playing in a game, your goal is to dominate the other team. Yeah. So that's just what we're doing. We're going out and trying to accomplish that goal. And you know, people don't like it. Whatever. We still have a hundred game winning streak right now, and there's nothing you can do about it. Wow. I, and I've told you this before, but having been in person for that game where you beat Mississippi State ninety-eight to thirty-eight. That was as close to perfection as I've ever seen uh, in a sporting event, uh, bar none, in all my years doing this. So it, it's a remarkable and, thing and to And it say. didn't even matter about the score. Right. And right. The, the score didn't even matter. Exactly was, right. When, yeah. when you were performing the way you were performing, it, there, the opposition was almost secondary. It was just a question of seeing something that, quite frankly, I'd never seen before. So do you, I mean, I just, to take it back full circle on that question, so... To your mind, the performance itself is the answer to it, and giving more attention to people who try to uh, pity back, be contrary, to do things like that is not worth it. Or do you think that people, people like yourself, people like me in the media, have have an obligation to answer back to when people say it? I think there's a, a fine line you have to walk, and you know, I find myself having having the conversation with the pe- people a lot because. You know, we'll get into conversation of of me playing for UConn, and they're like, "Yeah, you know, I don't watch because you guys blow them, blow everybody out." But I'm like, "Do you watch? Do you watch how we're playing? Like how we're playing the game? If the score isn't there, the way we're playing the game is, you know, better better than anyone else. Right. And and that itself should make you watch. Um, I, but I, after a while, I think you just have to just let them think what they want really i guess so I, I i take my daughters to see you to see you play for the same reason i take them to see hear the new york philharmonic it's to see the best do what they do uh moving on to 2017 obviously you didn't have to outdo what you did in 2016 uh this year for an encore so is that a nobel prize <laughs> what exactly how do you how do you do that <laughs> what, how do you think of what 2017 can be and can, can you think of it in terms of outdoing 2016? 
Um, well, I think 2016, you know, there was a lot more going on than, than there is in 2017. Obviously, you know, I was playing overseas in China and that kind of stuff, and uh, that season ended a little abruptly because, you know, my knee and that type of thing. Mm-hmm. But I'm really looking forward to, to getting back to Seattle and working with the team and going farther than we did last year. You know, as of late, we started to really, you know, ramp up with things in our play and how we play together. Um, you know, we have high goals for each other this coming season. You've never shied away from talking about championship aspirations. Is anything short of a WNBA title this year uh, satisfactory in your mind, or is that the goal? I mean, I think I think it's always a goal. You know, I'm I'm a, a person who, who, like you said, has high standards for myself, and obviously, I want to win a, a WNBA championship. And I think that, you know, having last year and having that be like a learning curve and understanding, you know, the ins and outs of the WNBA. Yeah, we wanna we wanna make that run at the championship. You know, people might think that you know I'm crazy, whatever. People thought I was crazy when I said it when I was a freshman. Mm-hmm. Um. And and that's just the type of competitive person I am. You know, we just we want to win, and and that's our goal with the the Storm organization. Well, no no one's gotten rich betting against Brianna Stewart at any level, so I I, I don't think anyone's gonna be <laughs> calling you crazy moving forward. Uh, listen, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us. I I wish you all the best. Glad you are on the mend, and uh, always look forward to uh, to our paths crossing. Awesome. Thank you so much. And just a reminder to our listeners that you can follow us on Twitter at LockedOnWBB, like us on Facebook, and go ahead and subscribe via iTunes or your podcast listen of choice. If you review us, more people hear us, and more people hear about the world of women's basketball, something very important to me and I'm sure to you as well. I'm your host, Howard Megdahl, wishing you a wonderful day.